What is up, More Church? Y'all, thank you. Because every time Pastor and I, we tease each other a little bit, he says, every time you come up on stage, they cheer and they yell and they shout. And here's the thing. Yeah, you better. Because if you don't, I get real insecure. And I'm like, yeah, they wish he was standing here. And they're real mad at me. And sorry, I'll go sit down, right? And so I know it's not Easter Sunday. That was last week. But today is somebody's Sunday. Today is a Sunday. And we do not believe in just another Sunday. We believe that every Sunday is important. And so today, I'm going to need you to holla back. I'm going to need you to keep cheering and being loud. And pastor, all you got to do is ask them to do it. And then they will do it right? That's all you got to do. And so y'all, I'm super excited to get to share a word with you today. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Whitney. I get to be the executive pastor here at Moore Church. And like Pastor Trust and Rachel said, my husband Aaron and I, man, we love serving this house. And this week we celebrate 20 years of marriage. It's exciting. It's wonderful. And it makes us sound really old, but we were like real young when we got married. So that's good, right? Uh, you're here this week and I'm glad because that probably means you also were here last week and that you really love the Lord. And so you're ready to receive a word today. Y'all, how many of you thought Easter was incredible here at Moore Church? It was amazing. And I know they took some time to celebrate it, but can I just take a moment to celebrate? You know, if you have not really attended any other churches, you may not know this. But for our church and, and our way that we get to do church, y'all, God has blessed us in a mighty, amazing way. And we have a very incredible pastor who works so hard, so diligently to bring a word in a whole new way, to bring a story that you maybe have heard a hundred times, but to bring it to life in an incredible and a new way. I know last year after Easter, I thought, how in the world will we ever have another Easter as good as new mercies every morning, right? How in the world? And yet again, because our pastor is so diligent to listen to God's voice and to say, God, what would you have me share with all the people that in uh, last Sunday's message, y'all, I was blown away by the energy, the excitement, the time, the intentionality, and then the, the truth of God's word that was showed in a little bit of a crazy and different form. But that's how we roll around here. Because we are party starters, because we know that in heaven, there's a party. Every time somebody comes to know Jesus, we are committed to be party starters here on earth so that more people can know his love. And so if you came for the first time last week, welcome. That, that fun, that excitement, that's who we are all the time. In fact, if this week you pulled out your shoes and they had egg all over them, I apologize. Apologize, it's a great idea, and it was a lot of fun, and the kids loved it, but multiple times I saw eggs going over the egg toss and landing onto the walkway where moms and dads were trying to either take kids to class or bring them back from class, and so my bad, I'm sorry, our bad. Just wipe it off. Don't send us your dry cleaning bill. Okay, y'all. We shared an incredible story, uh, message last week. Pastor shared a parable, a parable that he, uh, is a story that Jesus told. A parallel attachment is what he taught us. That's what the word means. Uh, of a story, of uh, a relevant story of life that helps us understand what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. 
that a few weeks before that, it's been like nine weeks ago, eight weeks before Easter, Pastor shared a story about a, a banquet party, about a party that the kingdom of heaven is just like that. And last week and every week, you know, we had this opportunity to say, hey, welcome home. Welcome home to people who are far from God. Welcome home to people who've maybe been knowing God a little bit, but haven't yet felt comfortable at the party. Can I tell you, we will never run out of room at the party here at Moore Church, that we will always make more space for more people so they can all know his love. And if you wonder why we're called more church, I hope you've already figured that out. That we believe that there is more, that God has more for each and every one of us. And so if you're new or if you've been here a while, can I just say again on behalf of all of us, welcome home. We're so glad you're here. You know, last week we had shirts and we kind of forgot in all the excitement to announce that we had shirts that said, uh, welcome home, but we want you to know that you're welcome here, that you're a part, and that this party that we throw each and every week is for you. But now that you're here, I want you to understand, we want you to understand how we act at the party how we behave at the party. Once we get here, now what do we do? How do we respond? What are the things we're supposed to do once we're at the party? And I know there's some of you already in here like, I know, now she about to, they, they lied to me last week, they hooked me, now they about to tell me how to act and behave in church, right? No, 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 that's not, somebody said right really loud. Like, they, yeah, I know, that's what you think. But that's not true. See, God's word is full of truth and understanding. This year, we're in uh, the year of Jesus. We're studying stories and teachings and scriptures and encounters with Jesus that help us know and understand the character of God. And so today, I want to read just five verses, just five verses that talk to us about uh, what it is, what Jesus says about how we respond once we come into relationship with God, and how we can act at this party, y'all, because it's fun. We're going to have fun today. And so, y'all ready? You excited? Let's go. Let's go. It's going to be so good. And so this, uh, these verses are found in Matthew 22, verses 35 through 40. Again, it's just five verses, but I think they're going to help us. So at the very beginning of the scripture, we meet some Pharisees. The Pharisees are some dudes uh, who are the ones who know and understand the law, the Jewish law, the Old Testament law, the law of Moses, all the things, the, the, the laws and rules in which you have to follow in order to be close to God. And you know, uh, we, we meet them here in Matthew 22 uh, verse 35. It says, one of the Pharisees, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with a question. You see, Jesus, he received persecution from religious people. They called him a drunk. They called him a glutton. They called him a friend of tax collectors and sinners because those were the worst kind of people. And I know that's never happened to any of us. We've never been uh, judged or ridiculed or persecuted by religious people, right? You, that's why you weren't nervous to walk in today because you knew that no one was going to get annoyed with you or frustrated or, or judge you in any way. I remember growing up that you were not allowed to wear a hat in the sanctuary of the Lord. My guy Tyler carried out the podium for me this morning wearing a hat. And that's okay because it said more church because he's promoting his church of, uh, that God is so good and that he has more for you. But I remember walking with a friend and a man in the church saying, how dare you desecrate the sanctuary with that hat? I've had multiple people on multiple occasions ask me if I got a discount on my jeans because they have holes in them. 
think that might have even happened to my daughter this morning. It's okay, Bob. We love you, and God loves you. No, I'm just teasing. Like, it's just, we're just teasing each other around sometimes in church. But y'all, sometimes we feel like, why they, why they, ju- why they judge? Why are they ask me? Sometimes we're teasing. Sometimes people are having a hard time. Like, sometimes they're giving you a hard time. But the truth is, in the temple courts, teaching and uh, religious guys come up and they start uh, questioning Jesus. That Jesus is in the temple courts. He's, he's questioning them. Uh, he's talking to the people. He's teaching the people. And these tax collectors, these, uh, excuse me, Pharisees, sorry, I got stressed out. Bob, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it like that. You're not religious and mean. I was just being silly. And then I got stressed out. I'm going to go back. I love you, Bob. Let's go back to my message. Okay. <laughs> Whew, that happens sometimes. Okay. So what I was going to say was, uh, some people get mad and we bring coffee in church. Y'all, chill out. We bring coffee in church because we're just ha- trying to have enough caffeine and excitement to uh, come to church and to uh, love God and worship God. My grandma used to carry strawberry candies in her purse, in her purse every week. Grandma, that is the same thing as coffee in church. It's the same thing. You just got candy in your purse. It's the same. But see, here we meet Jesus. He's in the temple course. He's teaching, and the religious guys come up and start questioning him. The Pharisees, they question Jesus on all kinds of things, all kinds of things, um, from taxes to heaven to marriage. Uh, One of the things they question him the most about, though, is the law, because they are the guys who are uh, the, the keepers of the law, the knowers of the rules. They understood the law. In fact, they added so many laws to uh, to the serving Jesus. There were 613 separate laws. 613 laws that you had to follow, that you couldn't mix fabrics, uh, you couldn't walk a certain distance uh, on the Sabbath day, that you couldn't murder people. That's a pretty good law. Like, you shouldn't do that. Uh, There were affirmative laws that they had that, like, they had a law for every part of your body, and they had a law for every day of the year. Y'all, it's a whole lot of laws. You see, not all laws were equal. Not all were murder. Like, uh, they they would not be letting me preach today because I have a polyester cotton blend shirt and denim jeans, and so they would ridicule me. They would mildly scold me, but I would not get murdered on that day for that. But, you know, nor uh, would you be, like, if you walked down the street to your friend's house on the Sabbath day because you forgot your Nintendo Switch remotes. Uh, maybe if you walked back to go pick them up from their house, but then you cut through the park on your way home, and you ended up walking more than a mile, then you would be under, like, house arrest. You're not getting murdered, but you're getting under house arrest because you broke the rule of walking over a mile on the Sabbath. These are some crazy laws that they had. Some crazy rules. Like if your mama caught you t- uh, sneaking that tattoo, like you were trying to hide it. I know some of y'all been trying to hide the tattoos that you got from your mama, but if she caught you like she, you're not getting murdered, but she's probably going to cut your arm off just to save your soul. She loves you. It's for your good. She loves you. But, but it's true. There were, there were so many laws, uh, but y'all, if you were eating bacon with your friend at brunch, or maybe some king crab at the neighbor's house whenever they were having that seafood wall. Can I tell you? Murder. You might as well just die because you have defecated yourself in such a way. You have desecrated yourself in such a way that you are no longer holy. You're at least going to jail. But they're probably going to murder you. There were a whole lot of laws. You see, there were a whole lot of hurdles that separated them from God. A whole lot of hurdles that separated the people of God from God and 613 laws. How many of you think you could actually memorize 613 laws? 
I cannot be a waitress at most restaurants because I cannot memorize the menu in order to articulate it to the people, right? But 613 laws between them and God. And so they are testing Jesus because they're like, look, there's a whole bunch of laws. And now are you going to tell me the answer to this question? Here's the question they asked him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? You see, they knew that not all the laws were the same, but they're trying to catch him in him saying that one law is more important than the other. And then would it really mean that most of the laws, none of the laws, any of the laws are actually good? But Jesus knew their hearts and their intentions. You see, often Jesus answered uh, questions with a question, or like we've learned already this year, questions with parables, right? Uh, with stories. But this time he actually is like, listen, this is super important. And so I'm just going to answer you directly. Normally he was like, I'm not dealing with your mess. I'm not going to answer your question directly. But in this he did. He said, uh, it says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law, all the law, and the prophets hang on these two commandments. He's saying these two things, they embody everything else. They encapsulate all 613 laws that most importantly, most, most definitely, if you're going to get some of the laws right, you better get these two right. You know, I like a deal, and that sounds like a pretty good deal. That if I'll do these two laws, then these 613 ones will be kind of covered. Uh, it'll be kind of taken care of. If all I've got, y'all, when my phone notifies me that there is a BOGO, I'm going to be buying something. I'm going to be buying something other than, I don't even need it. It doesn't matter. But it's buy one, get one free. And so I'll be like, Rachel, what shirt should I buy? What shirt should we get? I, I don't even know. Like, it, because it's a good deal. This is a good deal. Two commandments. They all the law and prophets hang on these. Wow, that's important. So I might not wash my hands the right way or perform the right ritual sacrifices or the ceremonial washings. I might not know everything I can wear and what I can't wear and what I can't eat and what I can't eat and how far I can walk on the Sabbath, whether I did it right or whether I did it wrong. I might not check every box perfectly, but uh, if I can learn how to love God and love people, you're telling me that this is, this is good. Love is the most important thing. Jesus is like to the Pharisees, he's like, I see you. I see your heart. I see your intention. You're just trying to catch somebody and trip somebody up. You ever met anybody who's trying to catch you and trip you up? Like it doesn't matter what you do or how you do it, that at some point you know that one day you will disappoint them in a way that they'll be like, see, I knew it. I knew that's who you were deep down inside. So it doesn't really matter what you do or, or how you do it. This is how the Pharisees were treating Jesus that no matter, they were just trying to find a way to trip him up. And he's like, listen, love is the most important thing. So to the people in the temple courts, I think he's really teaching to them. He'd been teaching and the Pharisees every time, they just interrupt him with questions, trying to mess him up. And so he's saying to the people in the courts, listen, I know you've screwed up. I know you've made some mistakes, but let's shift the focus. In this world that is focused on all the things you can't do, let's look at a couple of things you should do. You've got a whole list of things that are wrong and that you can't and that you shouldn't and that you won't, but let's just look at these two simple things that you should and if you'll do them, it's gonna take care of every, everything else. Often people as a pastor, I get this question all the time. Is this a sin? Like, what about this? What about this rule? What about that? Y'all thought maybe today that you, we would have some list of rules and sins and things. Now, now that you're here, now that you're apart, make sure that you follow these things. Now, there are things that the Bible is very clear about our sin. 
And at More Church, we never shy away from speaking truth in love. That is something you will always hear. But all of us are welcome because all of us are on a journey. All of us have sinned because that is what the Bible tells us. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But we're going to do our best and do our part to help learn how can we continue to grow. And so God is saying, listen, Jesus is saying, the more you'll focus on love, the less you'll have to focus on everything else. Jesus is trying to say, hey, I want you to understand the character of my God, the character of my Father. I want you to get it. He's not a policeman with his handcuffs in his hand waiting to arrest you the moment you trip up. He's a good Father. He has good things for you. And if you'll just spend some time loving Him, getting to know Him, actually being in His presence, then you will actually struggle less to break the rules and you'll just operate from a place of love. That's what Jesus came to do. It's not about restraint, it's about relationship. It's not about a list of restraining laws, it's about a relationship of love. And if we can understand that and get that in us today, I think it's gonna help us so much in our life. Matthew 22, 37, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Love is the commandment. It's the commandment. It's not a demand, it's a command. You see, a demand is forceful. A demand is like, you do this right now and you will do it or else. But a command is compelled. To compel you with authority to say, hey, this is what I need you to do in order to be in the relationship, in order to be a part of this thing that we're doing together. Here's the way I need you to behave. And so it's a command that he gives us. John 14, 15 tells us, if you love me, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It's not a suggestion. It's not a wish. It is a commandment. It sounds really simple, right? Love you, that's all I need to do. But it's not always easy. But Jesus says, you are commanded to love me. Don't you wish you could command some people to do some things? Don't you wish in your life you could command people to love you? You will love me. We will be friends, right? Some of our young adults are launching their young adult service uh, this Friday night. Yes. At North Campus, Kyle and Sydney Bunch are heading it up. It's going to be so incredibly good. And I know that there are some young adults in that group that are like, if I could just command him to love me, then maybe in 20 years I could celebrate my anniversary, right? Just why don't you like talk to him? Just like open your mouth, say hi. Get other DMs, just talk to them in real life. Like that's the suggestion I have for you. But we wish we could command people, right? The way they can act and the way they should do. Love is commanded. God is fair and just. He does not ask us to do something that is impossible and unable for us to do. It's a commandment and I love that because that means he knows we can actually do it. When my kids were seven and eight, I would command them to clean their room. They still, I still be trying, I still be trying to get them to clean their room. But when they were young, I'm asking, I did not ask them to file our taxes for us. I did not command them, you will be the ones to make sure our W-2s get put in the form on time. I, see, I, I don't even know how to do it either. I got to hire a tax guy at 38. How do you think they're acting uh, at seven and eight? They can't do it. I can't command them to do that. And our God is good and just. And he does not command us to do things that are impossible and out of our reach. He says, just love me. That's all I need from you. 
And I love what he says, um, that he says, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. Because that gives us a very clear description of what kind of love we need to have. It, it tells us that we need to love with all of ourselves. Our heart is our emotions and our feelings, our inner self, our character. Our soul is our literal, our life, our breath, our personality of who we are. And our mind is our thoughts and our understanding. He's saying 100% of yourself, all of you love me. All of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. Not just puppy love, not just because last week was really good. And pastor got me because he, you know, I'd be liking some blingy watches too. And I'd be screwing some stuff up. And so I need to come home to the father. And I felt an emotional moment last week. And so I loved God then. But today, I'm going to go back to where I was. No, it's all of me. It's an intentional decision that I'm leaving behind the old and I'm going to love you. I'm going to be in relationship with you. Puppy love is fun, but it doesn't last very long because I've been married 20 years and I know that to be true. Now, like Pastor Rachel always talks about how Pastor Tristan leaves his wet towel on her side of the bed. What happens in my house is that I got a fresh towel every day because I can. I'm a grown-up. I do the laundry. I want a fresh towel. And every time he takes it. Why do you do the things that you do? Why am I trying to watch a show in the living room and you're trying to be nice and put dishes away, but it's so loud? That I have to put the closed caption on. It's so loud. Why? But I understand that the agape love, the unconditional love, is what God's talking about. It's what Jesus is talking about here in this moment. And I understand that when the eighth Amazon package in two days arrives, that there is an agape love that my husband must choose for me. I understand. I understand that when I leave my bathroom and my car in disarray because it's a busy week, that even though every week is a busy week, that he has to choose agape love for me, right? We, we try, and, and for me, marriage and, our, and my relationship with my kids, like that is the closest uh, relationship in my life to 100% love to being willing to give all of me and everything I have and all of who I am to them in love. And love is not easy. It's a decision. When we're not communicating well, like I'm saying the jokey ones, but y'all know, 20 years, we'd be, ha we'd be having some hard things. When we've said words we really don't mean to each other, but yet we said them, they came out, and now they did damage in our hearts. When maybe we weren't all the way truthful with each other, and so now I'm feeling mistrusting, and he's feeling mistrusting. There's, there's moments and times in our, in our life where I'm like, wait a minute, but what I want you to understand about our God is that he is 100% perfect love. That there's times in our life where we face difficulties. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. Jesus came because he's overcome. And so when we face hard things, it's easy to go, why did you allow this to happen? Why did you do? Why didn't you come in and intervene? Why? Why are you? And we can get a misunderstanding with God and suddenly the hurdles between us are bigger and taller and mightier and a lot harder to jump over because we've allowed our personal slant, our personal experience to come into our relationship with God and say, oh, you must not be loving. You must not be trusting. You must not want a relationship with me, but what's true is that God is love. Yeah. 
The reason he wants us first to understand and to love him most is because he knows it will help that second commandment a whole lot. If we love him, we become more like him. And because he is love, then it becomes a whole lot easier to love, right? And so I want you to understand God is perfect. He will not fail us. Even when people do, even when circumstances do, God is for you. So God says, love me fully above your hobbies, above your dreams, above your desires. Trust me, love me first. True love is selfless. It really is. This morning, my husband ironed this shirt. He, he, yeah, good job. He made my coffee. He loaded the car with the things that I needed. He loaded up these hurdles in the car and he unloaded them here at the pig when we got here because he was being selfless in loving me. And love is selfless. And so we have to look at our relationship with God. We understand that Jesus came. Last week we understood Jesus came. He died for us so that we could be in relationship with him forever. But how selfless are we towards God sometimes? Like, I only want to scoop the manure to the people who are here, but the truth is the reason why only half of you are here today is because the other half are like, oh, it's not that big a deal. I'm tired. It's been a busy week. I've got other things to do. I want my kid to go to baseball practice. Like, we don't make the right uh, decisions sometimes because it's hard to be selfless. But God is like, I need you to have a selfless love for me. I need you to understand the love I have for you, and I need you to have that love for me. I know you're busy, but are you willing to sacrifice? Some of you signed a card to be all in. That's not just in your finances. Pastor shared some verses with us that are such good truth that by the same measure that you pour out will be poured out unto you. But it's not just our money. It's not just our finance. What are we pouring out? Are we pouring out of the right measure of love towards God? Are we being selfless? Are we understanding that if he can get it through you, he can get it to you? Are we being selfless in our decisions, in our relationship with God? Can you imagine what our legacy of more would look like? Can you imagine what all you would receive if we were willing to give all love to him? The, the verse continues. And the second is like it. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. These two encompass all the others. I think it's funny because they only asked him for the greatest commandment. But he gave them two commandments. Because he was like, listen, I need you to understand that if you love me, but don't love them, what are you even doing? But if you love me, then you'll understand how I love them. And if you love them the way you love that I love you, then well, this is the whole thing will work out, right? And so it's not just enough to love God, but we have to love them. It says, as you love yourself, that is a hard one. Like 20 years of marriage, that is still hard for me sometimes. Because we went to Kyle's birthday and they had nothing but cake and they cut the slices and there were two pieces on a plate that they handed me and I chose to give him the bigger, better piece. But that is hard because have you had a cake from that place? So good. But we're supposed to love your neighbor, all the people, as we love ourselves. Why does God tell us that? Why, why, again, these two encompass all the others? Well, I think that if we love other people the way we love ourselves, we're not going to be tempted to steal from them. Because I'm not going to steal from myself. 
This would be counterintuitive, right? If I love people the way I love myself, I will not sabotage them by not forwarding that email communication that I know they need for that project at work that will actually make them look better than I look. And so I would not sabotage them that way because I love them the way I love me and I would not want anyone to do that to me. Imagine, imagine how different it would look if you loved everyone the way you loved yourself. I don't think you'd twist the words that they say in order to make it work better for the story in the, in the way that you're telling it, right? I'm not saying it at you, I've done it. We've all done it. What would your relationships look like if you actually took the time to listen to people the way you listen to your own thoughts? The ones we think are really good and smart, right? If people just knew all the ideas I have, right? But what if we actually took the time to listen to them? and what they had to say. What if we actually were excited for people when they win? What if we actually cheered them on in a way that actually made it so that they felt loved and cheered for? Do you know the reason why it's so wonderful that you cheer when I'm here and when pastor's here? Because we're cheering each other on and we're cheering each other on. There's been seasons of my life when I've communicated in front of rooms where there were like three people in the room that I knew they actually really didn't have my best interests in mind. And it was really hard to talk. Just like right now when I was like, Bob, I was trying to make a joke and then I screwed it up because I realized I wasn't trying to say that. Oh God, oh God. And I'm up here like, wait, Bob loves me. He knows me. I'll just say sorry because that's how it is here. And like, can you imagine what life would be like if we actually operated that way all the time with all the people? And so, man, we're really good at giving grace to ourselves. That like, when I don't wake up for the 86th time to go to the gym, I'm like, yeah, but do you know what last night was? I got like four hours of sleep, right? But then when they don't respond to my text and my phone call, I'm like, oh my word, how dare they? They're so rude, right? We know the golden rule, we learn it in like kindergarten. Luke 6:31. it's actually a Bible verse, did you know that? do to others as you would have them do to you. But it's funny how quickly we're willing to cast judgment on people for the things they do, uh, but so easily forgive ourselves. We're willing to justify our actions and our words and our feelings, but never willing to understand somebody else's. We will not tolerate their mistakes or their shortcomings, but we expect full tolerance for us. When I don't respond to the text, it's like, do you not know that I am overwhelmed and so busy in my life? How could I possibly respond to every text message that I receive? Who in the world do I think I am? But then when they don't respond, again, clearly they hate me. They're so rude. When I was talking about them behind their back, it was just because I'm concerned. I just have a concern I would like to bring to everyone's attention. (laughs) Not people that can be helpful and actually help the situation, but everyone around me, right? But then I'm so like, I, I, why, why would they do that? Why would they talk about me that way? They said they're trying to vent or process or, or talk about just to help themselves. But what, that was about me. That was hurtful. That was painful. How dare they? Sinner, right? <laughs> they pulled out in front of me. Yeah. Forget the 12 cars that I just cut off so I made that light. But they pulled out in front of me. I can't believe they got a more sticker. Somebody figure out who that is. (sighs) 
Did you notice she bought the same shoes that I had on at Easter last week? She clearly just wanted to look like me. I can't believe she did that. Oh, this shirt? Oh, yeah. No, I saw Sarah had one on, and I was like, I got to get the same one. Oh, my word. How dare... You see what I did there? You missed that one? Okay. It's fine. But sin is rooted in our own selfishness. Like, I'm joking about shoes, and dudes, you do it too. Like, you're like, I can't believe... I can't believe that they are still smoking cigarettes. How can they still be addicted? How dare they? And you pull out your credit card and you buy that Titleist club again because you don't have 9,700 in your golf bag. We're quick to cast judgment on the things that we're not struggling with. We're quick to cast judgment on their sin, their laws their things. You don't want to get off the couch. Don't be mad they walked a mile on the Sabbath day. But, but like they had stuff to do. Like I'm joking about those laws, but the truth is we do it in today all the time. All the time. But the truth is maturity makes you less selfish. Pastor shared it before, but Jonathan Baba, he says all the time that uh, maturity is putting yourself in other people's shoes. Maturity is allowing yourself to have a selfless perspective. But here, man, some people get stuck in life. They, they never love anybody the way they love themselves. Some of us, like, I love you. I'm not being mean to you. I'm trying to help us all. So, like, if you get mad, I love you. I'm not trying to get me, be mean. Like, we're trying to help. I told you 20 years of marriage. That's a lot, I keep saying it, but like it's a big deal. 20 years is a long time. And it makes me feel like a real adult. I'm like, what? Like there's two things that we've learned. We have to forgive each other quickly. Cause like the offenses are gonna come. The hurdles in our marriage, they're gonna keep coming over and over and over and over again. And so we have to forgive quickly cause if we don't, they'll pile up and we'll just be tripped up everywhere and we ain't gonna get nowhere. And so we have to forgive quickly. But the second one is the more we can learn to be selfless. The more we can serve them, put them first, the more we can treat them how I wish they were treating me. Our healthy marriage is, is really two people operating in selflessness and forgiveness consistently. If you want to be loved in marriage, operate from a place of love. Maturity makes you less selfish. But have you ever noticed um, that those who actually love themselves are easier to love, easier to be in relationship with those who don't actually like themselves? We look at them and we're like, they don't treat anybody the way they want to treat themselves. Well, the truth is they don't actually love themselves. It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with them. It has to do with me when I am a mess. I worked in cosmetics and fragrance world for like forever. And because of that, there's some things about me that I carry with me every day and all the time. Uh, with my makeup, there's like no halfway. Like some of y'all ladies, you got that. And I wish somebody would teach it to me, but I don't know how to do it. It's either like no makeup, I ain't got none on, or I got the whole face. I don't understand the in-between. I don't know how. That's what the cosmetic world taught me, that I do all the pieces, right? And so uh, I've always got on all the makeup. And then the other part of the cosmetic world uh, that I have is my fragrance, my perfume. I'm always wearing perfume. Shelby this morning was like, hey, you smell so good. I was like, thanks. Yeah, I know. That's what I do every day. It's a part of my getting ready routine. What perfume will I wear today, right? It's just part of what became a part of my routine every single day. And when I walk by you, you'll usually smell my perfume. Uh, 
and whatever uh, it is that day, like if I hold your baby. I got to hold Sloan the other day, and I held her, and I promised when I took her and gave her back to Beth that uh, she smelled like me, and then chances are pretty good she had like a red lipstick kiss somewhere on her temple forehead. If you let me hold your baby, these are the things that will happen. Because what was on me got on them when they came into my sphere. When they came into my circle, when they came into my, uh, when they encountered me, what was on me got on them. And when we encounter people, we put off what we're wearing. When they step into our sphere, whatever is on me when you encounter me, you're going to receive it. If I'm laughing and smiling, you're going to receive smiles and laughs and joys and giggles, right? That's just part of it. If I'm hugging, you're going to get a big hug. But if I'm punching, you're going to get punched. If I'm, if I'm angry, whatever is on me, when you encounter me, now you and I, we're con you're connected to it. And when we encounter people who don't love themselves, the fight they are having with themselves is actually the fight that they have with us. And it gets really hard to love people because we're like, why do they act like that? But what if we could have the perspective to see that actually they're fighting with themselves? We're being drawn into their chaos. So if they're insecure or if they're guilty, if they're full of doubt or pride, if they're full of shame, if they're fighting with regret, you can't be surprised when crazy people bring crazy to us when we encounter them. If they're already crazy, then when we encounter them, what's of course it's going to be a crazy experience. That's just the way it is. And so we have to learn that the fight they're having with themselves, we're now in it, and it has nothing to do with us. And if we can really get that and understand it, it makes it a lot easier to be selfless in the way we love them. You see, loving yourself is not selfish. It's not. It's not vanity. It's not just taking care of what you need and want first. It's not even the confidence that we think uh, in the terms in which we think it. But loving yourself is loving who God made you to be exactly the way God made you to be. And knowing and believing and accepting who God says about who I am. And when I can do that, it doesn't matter what they say, what they do, how they respond, how they react, what happens, the words that come out of their mouth, the actions that happen in their life. It doesn't matter because I know that God loves me and God is for me. And if God is love, then I can be love to them, correct? And here at More Church, we work really hard to operate from a place of maturity. You'll hear us talk about emotional health all the time. What does that mean? It just means that we dig deep, we dig in, we say, God, search my heart, know me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any right way in me, help lead me to the way that I'm supposed to be going in my life. And so we're willing to have hard conversations, we're willing to have uh, difficult uh, moments and meetings because we'd much rather say, hey, let's face this and walk out in love together. You see, Jesus understood that if we will learn how to love God and how to love the people around us, then we can walk in harmony and into the more he has for us so much better in our lives. Healthiest people to love are those who love themselves. And so it can be easy to then go, okay, well then I don't want to deal with the hurdles of the crazy people. I don't want to deal with the hurdles of the, of the insecure people or the prideful people. And so I'm just going to love some healthy people. I'm going to make my circle full of healthy people. And then if they're not in, then too bad. 
But Jesus said, love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Like the guy who lives next door? You see, that question was asked to Jesus in another portion of scripture in a parable that he told called the Good Samaritan. I don't got time to tell that story today, but simply in that story, he basically says, listen, your neighbor is anybody that you encounter. No matter how, no matter who, no matter what, anyone you come in contact with, anyone you sit by in church, anyone you show up with at a life group, anyone that you work with, anyone you pass in the street, not the ones who look like you or believe like you or are like you, but anyone. You know how we start a revival in our city? You know how we help people understand the importance of God in our life? We show all the people love. All the people. But this is really hard. It's really hard. You see, the law was their hurdle. The hurdle between the people and God back before Jesus came and became the sacrifice for us. But the law was their hurdle. For us, in order to follow this commandment, there are a lot of hurdles that we have to face. Our own pride, our own unforgiveness, our own frustrations and hurt and hate and insecurity. Like there are some big ones in order to actually get over the hurdles in life. And I think that the truth is that a lot of hurdles are really small ones. They're, they're, not, that, they're not that hard. And so we think, yeah, it's not a big deal. It's not a, that one was not that hard. Yeah, they didn't respond to my text message. Okay, pastor, you're being funny, but that's not that hard, okay. Yeah, they didn't invite me to the restaurant. Okay, I get it. Yeah, that one's a little one. Yeah, they, they, they said they were coming to my birthday party, but then they ended up going to the sale at Nordstrom's. Okay, I get it. Yep, I know. I know. They, they signed up for the setup team, and I'm leading the setup team right now, but that's okay. They have more important things they have to do early in the morning at 6 a.m. than be here at church to help set up. Like sleep, I guess. That's the only thing. And we're like, oh man, these, these hurdles that we face with people, when they're little, it's easy because we're like, no, it's not a problem. It's really, it's really not a problem. I'm not that upset and my pride can handle it because I've been guarding my heart. I've been learning. I've been learning from God. I've been really, really trying. I really, I really can do it because, you know, I understand that they, they probably didn't mean it. You know, I bet they had their phone on focus. I bet they had it on do not disturb. And so it's fine they didn't reply. It's fine. I can jump over. It's not a problem. It's okay that I didn't get invited. They probably thought I had a really important thing that night. And so they just didn't even call me because they didn't want me to have to say no. That was so kind of them. It's fine. It's fine. I've been guarding my heart. I can do this. It's totally cool. Pastor's going to be proud of me when he sees how much I love people. I love everyone. I love how dare they. What did they say? No, it's fine, it's fine, I don't care what they said. God says that he's for me, so who can be against me, right? I can jump this just fine. It's really fine, it's cool. It's cool, it's totally cool. I know that we both signed up for the health challenge. I know that we were supposed to be at 7 a.m., I know, and you have not shown up in four days, and I do not know why you are not there, because I am in this health class, I'm in this workout class with this other lady, and she just wants to be my friend, but you were supposed to be there to keep me from that lady, and why am I having to talk to her? It's fine, it's fine, I can jump over it. It's fine, right? In our marriage, man, he stole the towel. He won't be quiet. I don't understand. Then he, oh man, he takes those water bottles and he just crunches them up and he shoves them in the trash can. And it's so loud. Why does he do it? But I love him 20 years. We're going to do this, right? 
But then they really betray us. They really hurt us. Have you ever been in a moment where you were expecting someone to be there for you and they totally didn't respond the way you expected them to? You ever really needed someone to come through and you're like, hey, ride or die, where are you at? They're like, I left. You ever walk in a room and the people that should be coming up to you won't even look you in the eye? It's hard. It's a hard hurdle. And the truth is, no matter what I do, like I can't, well, see, I'm gonna fall. I can't do it. I invited my friend Mitch. He's going to come and uh, show us how we should do it. Ah. He did it perfectly in practice, and then for the camera angle, I scooted him closer together, and so whatever. He still did a great job, and he didn't fall. I don't even know where he went, but you good? You see, there's no way I could jump over the hurdles. But it doesn't have anything to do with the hurdle. It has to do with me. It has nothing to do with the hurdle. Do you know what they did? How in the world am I supposed to co-parent him? Do you understand that he, with him, he, he left me? He abandoned me. He walked out on his family. He cheated. He did all. How in the world are we supposed to co-parent together? There is no way it's possible. The hurdle is unable to be jumped, not because of the hurdle, but because of me. I, right now, have on the wrong shoes, (laughs) as we know, the wrong jeans, the wrong clothes. And the truth of the matter is, y'all, I ain't ever run track for five seconds of my whole life. Actually, that's not true. I was a water girl in eighth grade. And then they didn't, this one person didn't show up for the one race relay and they needed somebody. They told me, they told me they were going to have me run. Do you know what I did? Prayed to the good Lord. And you know what? He showed me he was faithful. They, all of a sudden the rain came. (laughs) I kid you not. You can call Stephanie Phillips and ask her if I'm lying because it's true. The rain came and I did not have to run, thank you, Lord, in the track meet. I am not prepared. I am not trained. I have not done the work before I face the hurdle. I've I've not put in the time and the energy and the effort before I faced it. Therefore, how can I be surprised when I can't jump over it when I do face it? My guy Mitch, he's got on like the right pants and the cool like shoes. And the truth is he's been training so long that he is now out of high school, but he jumped them in high school and he did an incredible job with just me calling him on Friday and saying, hey, will you jump over some hurdles for me? (laughs) Because he's trained, he's prepared. He's done it long enough and he already knows how. Once you start jumping over hurdles, it becomes a whole lot easier to jump over the next hurdle. Some of us are in our 30s and we still haven't jumped over the second one. We're still stuck right here because they said, and I swore I would never let anybody talk to me 
like that. And so they talked to me that way. My mama talked to me that way. My auntie talked to me that way. And I'm stuck right here. And the truth is, in life with people, y'all, people are the worst. They are the best. That's why Jesus died. But they're the worst. That's why Jesus died. And so the truth of the matter is, if we don't learn to jump with them, what we end up doing is picking them up taking them with us and everywhere we are and everyone we encounter, we've already got these hurdles in front of us before we even get started in the relationship. You ever met somebody and you're like, whoa, they are putting somebody else's face on my face. That is not what I said. That is not who I am. That is not what I did. But Jesus said, if we can just learn to love each other, then no matter what hurdle we face, no matter what they did, no matter what they said, no matter what I do, no matter what I said, there's nothing we can't get over if we will just learn to actually love each other, to actually take the time. And it's hard. It's not easy, but it's possible. Again, his command, his command is that we love each other. You know, pastors and, and Aaron and I, we get to travel a lot of times to other churches, and I see pastors sometimes who are still shaming people about the hurdles that they're standing in front of, but yet they themselves have not had the humility to jump over a hurdle in years. And what I can promise you, if you're new, if you just got here, if you've been here, but you've been holding back a little bit, what I can promise you is that we've committed here at More Church to be people who jump over hurdles. That no matter how hard it is, no matter how high, no matter how many there are, you will land like a gazelle, just like Mitch did on his feet. I don't know how he did that, but he did it. And you will do that here in your life if you'll be willing to lean in and really and truly allow God's love to penetrate and change your heart. And we're here to help you jump over the hurdles. Like I thought about doing a whole thing where Mitch like propped me up and I jumped and I did it, yeah! But no, let him be cool. I'm just gonna stand here. <laughs> We're committed at More Church to help you jump over the hurdles in life no matter what you face. That, that there are men and women who have faced the exact same hurdles and you will not be shamed because there is no condemnation in Jesus. There's just transformation. He's going to take you from where you were to where he wants you to be, to the more he has for you in your life. And I'm telling you, in this house, you can overcome the hurdles. Because as I'm talking about it, I get it. It's hard. You've been stuck at the same one at 35 since you were 15. I get it. But guess what? There's more. God has more for you. And no matter the hurdle you face, no matter what it is, God tells us to love each other. Jesus literally died while we were a mess and out of relationship with him. And he's like, listen, he tells us, John 13, uh, 34, a new command, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So even if you don't love yourself, and it's hard to love them the way you love yourself because you don't even love yourself, guess what? Jesus says, love them the way I've loved you. He gave up everything for you. 
He came out of heaven and died on the cross. That's why we celebrated Easter because he rose again and now we are set free. And he was willing to do that for us. Then what are we willing to do for them? Man, ride or die, as I said it a minute ago, ride or die is like total commitment. And the reason we get disappointed in people is because we say the phrase ride or die, but ride or die is actually really hard. Like the Baptist and the Barts, y'all see us. We say it. It's a hashtag, ride or die. But like actually being in a relationship with each other for 12 years has been really hard. Really wonderful. I would never change it for anything. But man, we've had to carry each other's burdens in moments. We've had to carry each other's emotions in moments. We've had to talk to each other and say, hey, hey, what's going on? We had to receive when they said, hey, hey, what's going on to, to me, to you, to each other? It's not easy. But ride or die is possible in relationship as long as we understand who Jesus is and the love he has for us first. God says, whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother and sister is a liar. These are like hard verses, but I think they're important for us to understand that whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they haven't seen. We're willing to have faith in God because he's like, up there, ethereal, like, oh, and we only have to turn to him when we need something. But like, y'all, we have to learn that, that there are people that are hard to love, but they're worth loving. And that we cannot be in relationship with God if we're not in relationship with his children. If you say you love me, but then you're like, that boy of yours, he plays those drums so loud. They're so loud. I can't stand it. I do not like the. Why do you even let him drum? Good grief. He is so dumb. He just thinks he's so cool. He sticks his tongue out. If you do not like my kid, you're going to have a hard time being in relationship with me. And I, I feel like that's why Jesus, this verse is like, hello. If you can't be in relationship with your brother and sister that you are right now next to, how in the world are you going to have relationship with me? But Romans 12, 10 tells us to love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. You see, it doesn't matter what you believe or how you dress or what you did on Friday night or if you look like me or if we have the same politics or if you say a cuss word when you hurt yourself or not. It doesn't matter. Because together we can love with brotherly affection. We can show honor to each other. And by showing honor to each other, guess what? It, it, the Bible tells us that they will know us by our fruit and our love is fruit. Remember last summer, we talked about it, the fruits of the spirit. Love is a fruit of the spirit. And we can get it all right. We can check all the boxes. We can do all the right uh, religious hurdles. We can handle them. But if we don't have love, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us we are nothing. We're just like a banging like drum, like Easton plays. But God's challenging us to say, again, he says it, all the law, all the prophets, all the things you've been working and striving so hard for, they all just hang on these two things, to love God and to love people. And at More Church, it is our desire. It is our, uh, man, I declare it, that it is who we are as people, that we will, no matter what hurdles people face, we will help them jump over them. Why? Because we love God first. Wholeheartedly, 100%, we're all in with Jesus. But also we love his kids. 
we love all the people here. And so if you're new and you're unsure how it works around here, I just want you to know that's all you got to do. Love God. Be committed to say, hey, I'm going to keep showing up every week. I teased about it, but it's true. If you would serve on a setup or a teardown team, do you know that you would rub yourself into community next to some people and you would actually become in relationship with some people who are loving God and learning together how to love each other. We're not perfect, y'all. We're people. I literally proved it this morning. We're gonna screw some stuff up. We're just human. However, our God is perfect. And he loves us and he's for us and he died for us. If you're sitting there thinking of all the people this message is for, I just gotta challenge you. Take a minute, when you drive home, just that mirror, look at it real good. Because it's probably also for you. Because it goes against what culture would tell us. It doesn't really make sense. But it didn't make sense that Jesus died for us while we were a mess either.